0: name. Wow. It's been a great day already. This is wonderful to be with you again in this uh, second service. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all you've done. I'm going to teach you something this morning. It's just going to be entitled, I want you to just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And in the spirit of that, shake hands with someone and, uh, Say something good to them. And don't leave them alone. (coughs) Don't leave them alone. Thank you. You may be seated. To all of the people that are following us online. I don't know how many miles I have traveled this summer, but I've met hundreds of people that faithfully watch this thing every Sunday so it was humbling to hear of the people that audit these services through our live stream efforts we're grateful for that thank you for your kindness, your kind words, thank you for helping us with our campaign we are five months into this thing right now and uh, as Pastor Mike has said we're, we're into seven digits now and so we're grateful for that And um, ladies and gentlemen if beans are $10 a pound God will give us the money to buy the beans okay that's just the way it is and um, what separates us from the others I don't mean that with arrogance Um, but the fact of the matter is The semantic emphasis in the New Testament is not on the word um, Christian. Truth is, there's only three times in the New Testament that the word Christian is used. Paul one time said, uh, suffer like a Christian. It says they were called Christians first at Antioch. And then Agrippa II told Paul you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Three times, that's it. The word that pops up on the radar again and again and again in the New Testament is the word church, not Christian. The original word for church is ecclesia. It means the called out one. What is the foundation of a real New Testament church? What uh, I'm not talking about a crowd. I'm talking about a real church. It, it has to be more than programs and architecture. It's got to be anointed preaching to a unified house. It says in the book of 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20... For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. I'm convinced that is the formula for a powerful New Testament church. First of all, you have to have a yes coming out of a pulpit. You can't be led by a pastor who says, Um, I'm not exactly sure what to do. It's always second guessing himself. Or even worse, always saying no. Got to be a pastor that says yes. And then there's got to be an amen coming from the pew. I've been in churches where the preacher was ready to go and the yes was there. But the amen in the pew wasn't there. I've preached in churches where the church was excited and anxious to do more, but the pastor was reticent and fearful. You've got to have a yes in the pulpit, and you've got to have an amen in the pew. And when you get yes and amen together, it creates magic. There's something in the scripture known as the unity of the spirit. When you study the Tower of Babel, the book of Genesis, the Bible said they were of one mind. It's the first skyscraper in the history of the world. They they would have built that thing. The Bible said they were going to get it as high as the clouds so that when it flooded again, it would never ever reach them. Even though the word of the Lord had said, I'm never going to flood the world again with water. But they're going to do it their way. Don't ever doubt, ladies and gentlemen, that those people that were building the Tower of Babel, they were unified. That's the spirit of unity. That's not the unity that comes from the spirit. Football teams have spirit of unity. Different Wherever there's faith, there's always going to be excitement. But just because you're excited doesn't mean your faith is directed towards the Lord. The magic is when you have the unity of the spirit. The Bible said on the day of Pentecost, they were all with one accord in one place. It's one thing to be in the same place. It's another thing to be in one accord While you're all together in that one place. Where two or three are gathered. Together. It's more than just sitting on the same benches. In the same room. It's having a harmony and a unity. That only can be birthed. In the presence of the Lord. And when you have the unity. That comes from the spirit. Magic happens. Amazing things. Can happen. Because. I am convinced Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the way. The truth. The life. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus was laying the foundation for his church. He was in the process of choosing the original 12. In Mark 1 and verse 23 it says... And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, holy one of God. And he rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, He came out of them and they were all amazed. The Bible said his fame spread all over that part of the country. I'd like you to notice in verse 24, that spirit said, let us alone. It didn't say, let me leave me alone. It's let us alone. In other words, he was taking possession of that body This is not just me in here, this is us, this is mine. There's a verse in the book of Job that says, out of the womb of a woman are the issues of life. In other words, in order to come to this planet, you have to come through the womb of a woman. Matthew 8 tells the story, Mark 5 tells it, and Luke 8 tells it. He's known as the demoniac of Gadara. Very interesting to me that um, I always believed that the Lord was talking to the man. What's your name? There's a, I don't know what you would call it, tradition, uh, a belief among preachers that when you deal with someone that, has a demon you have to get that demon to identify itself that's the verse they use when Jesus said what's your name those spirits said legion legion that's our name I never did believe Jesus was talking to the spirits I think he was talking to the man what's your name but before the man could tell him what his name was Those spirits hijacked the conversation. Said, our name is Legion. No, that man had a name. We don't know what his name was. But he had one. But that name was swallowed up in the vortex of those demonic spirits. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Have you come to destroy us? Those spirits, look what it says here: I know who you are. You have to realize these demons that are in this man, they recognize that spirit that's in Jesus Christ, in the physical body. they recognize what's in him. This is not just a man. this is God man. This is deity and dirt. Bound together, God in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Now me, I read between the lines. I think those demons are looking at him saying, where'd you get the body? Um, I came through the womb of a woman. I'm here legal. Where'd you get yours? Oh, that's not your body. <clears throat> that's why I'm convinced Jesus could evict that demon from that body of that person. It wasn't their body. Billy Cole told me something many years ago. And I've never forgotten it. He said, Brother Harold, I'm not afraid of demons. I have authority according to the word of the Lord in Jesus name to cast out devils he said demons don't scare me unsanctified flesh scares me because I can't cast you out of you and it's one thing to have a devil it's another thing to just be a rebel it's another thing to just have unsanctified flesh controlling your life this is Mark 1 Leave us alone. This event is so powerful, and it was impressed on the mind of Luke that he wrote about it in chapter 4. There was a man in the synagogue, not on the street, not in some faraway place. He was in church. He was in church, the place set aside. To worship the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen. Make no mistake about it. That when the Lord gets ready to build a house. There will always be someone in the synagogue. With an unclean spirit. And you can always identify them. Because they always say the same thing. The same words. That have been the clue. To identifying unclean spirits. Throughout the word. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Let me help you understand that there is one thing that separates an apostolic church from every other church in the city. Your spirit is going to be challenged. You're not going to be able to go here and just hide. You're not going to be able to go here and just attend. Sooner or later, the word is going to come to you. The Bible said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. I remember when Desert Storm happened years ago. Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait. And George Bush got a coalition together led by a very interesting man named Schwarzkopf. If you were alive then. It was quite an event It's one of the most listened to television broadcasts in the world to hear Norman Schwarzkopf give daily assessments of the battle. It didn't take him long to kick Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. They found out several months later. They found these tubes in the airport in Heathrow in London. They were written on the packages. These are plumbing parts. It looked like pipes. But they, they, were, they, were, they were too exact. They, they weren't just pieces of pipe. And along with them were these other boxes. Very technical, complicated things. When they finally... Went through what was going on there. They found out these were rockets. And they had a lot of these pipes, these plumbing parts in Iraq. But they needed these specific detonators that ended up stuck in customs in Heathrow. Saddam Hussein had the rockets and he had the bombs. But he didn't have the detonator. He needed the switch. That when that rocket landed. It would explode. There's a fascinating verse in the book of Hebrews. That says the faith. The word preached unto them. Did not profit them. Because it was not mixed with faith. In them. That heard the word of God. Because there's. W-O-R-D. In King James. Word. But what you have to understand in the original language, there's two original words for W-O-R-D. So many times, and really all the time in King James, it's just translated word. But in the original language, there's a Greek word called Logos, mind, will, plan, word. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. But in Romans chapter 10, it says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. But W-O-R-D in Romans chapter 10 is not logos, it's rhema. It means personalized word. It, It means that you are taking the word that is being preached to you, and you're not shoveling it off to someone three benches behind you. But you are absorbing it personally and saying, This is for me. I need to hear this. Because as I preach to you right now, faith comes to you from the word of the Lord. But that's all that's going to happen. It's going to come to you. Something has to happen in you, it has to be mixed with faith in them that have heard the word of the Lord. See, the Bible said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter one and verse sixteen, the word gospel there is a Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is dynamite. The word that I'm preaching to you right now has enormous potential, explosive potential. I got the bombs. You got to have the detonator. You're the switch. It doesn't matter how powerful the word is that's preached to you. All it's going to do is come to you. You have to mix it with faith in you. You have to personalize the word that I'm preaching to you today and say, that's for me. I needed to hear that. And when you mix that detonator with this bomb, boom, something amazing happens in church. That's why when you study the scripture, Matthew tells the story in Matthew 8. Mark tells the story in Mark 5. Luke tells the story in Luke 8. He's known as the demoniac of Gadara. Somebody preached here not long ago that it's possible he was the son of the prodigal. There's the prodigal son and then there's the prodigal's son. And since there's only one pig pen in the Bible, I think it's possible this dad and his boy found the same pig pen. And uh, what's interesting to me though is for years, I've never heard anybody preach about this. He's always known as the demoniac of Gadara. But when you read Matthew chapter eight, it says, And there were two that met him out of the tombs two demonic filled men. Two men heard the same Jesus. Two men heard the same sermon. Two men heard the same words of faith, but one of them was never delivered. And I'll tell you why. He never personalized the message of Jesus. He never said, that's for me. And one of them got delivered and went back home. And the other stayed in the graveyard. It doesn't matter how good I preach today. The emphasis is you're going to have to say amen. You're going to have to be able to mix The power of your personal choice with the explosive energy that's in the word of the Lord. You do not want to be one of these people that say, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. I want you to understand something. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You will not prove your love to Jesus Christ when I preach things that you want to hear. You will not prove your commitment to the gospel and to the kingdom when I'm always preaching exactly the way you like it. In fact, Paul talked to a young preacher one time, and he said that they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. This is what the New International Version says. And they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say with their itching ears, want to hear. This is the same thing that Israel said after being miraculously delivered from Egypt. These are the people that still have some Passover lamb in their belly. These are the people that heard the horror of that wind of the death angel sweeping through that land. These these mothers are clutching to their breast babies that are alive right now due to the fact of the blood. That was on the door of their house. They, they had seen the Red Sea opened. Listen to this verse. It says, lift up thy rod, stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. When I read that, it reminded me of this verse in Genesis 8. And it came to pass in the 600th and first year in the first month, the first day of the month. The waters were dried up from off of the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. You see what I'm talking about here. He opened up the Red Sea. These people did not wade in goo up to their knees. Ask the people in Fort Myers today. How long it's going to take for that ground to dry out. According to the word, when he opened up the Red Sea, they walked across on dry ground. Not gooey ground. Not muddy ground. In fact, when Noah popped out of that ark and popped his head up for the first time, to his astonishment, that boat was not sitting in a bunch of goo. The ground was dry. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Lord delivers you, you don't have to worry about the details. He does it all. He does it all. He does it all. Just just three days before these people had seen someone else's baby die, they've seen the Red Sea opened up. They have walked across on dry ground. Listen to what they say in verse 12 of chapter 14. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Here's the message translation. Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you leave us alone here in Egypt? We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as a corpse in the wilderness. This this is interesting to me because this they're they're still there. See, these, these these are not negative voices that just showed up. These voices freely admitted: I said this to you before we ever got delivered. Didn't I tell you while we were in Egypt? These negative voices have been with them from the very first day they were delivered. And you and I will have negative voices in our lives on the day the Lord begins to deliver you, trying to get your attention. Do not take the bait. Do not allow these voices to corral your thought life and to let that negativity sweep and just just by osmosis just go from a greater concentration of negative in, in, into a less. This is the same thing. That was mentioned on the, when Jesus is on the cross in Mark chapter 15, they said, let us alone. Let us." he's dying for goodness sake. He's got just a few moments to live. And yet to the very end, there's going to be a group of people say, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. This is not an isolated incident. This is in Luke chapter four. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? There are many hats that a pastor has to wear. When I became pastor here years ago, I I, I was blessed with a wonderful secretary named Dolores Hill. I I, I will always be grateful for the faithful service that Dolores Hill gave this church for, for years before I showed up and for over 30 years while I was pastor here this past week. Sister Valerie, she's got so much on her plate right now. I want to recognize Valerie Woodworth right now for over 20 years of faithful service to this church and to me and to my wife and my family. <laughs> Valerie, I love you, baby doll. And boys, I, I don't like that word stepping down. She's just, she's stepping aside. She's got a lot on her plate with her family and I completely understand that. But 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 I I I I I see I see this thing. It's so amazing to me because it's it's let us alone. And there 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 are so many hats. I I was always blessed with good secretaries and good people that would help us with finances. But I, I there were so many hats that I had to wear at the beginning. And and now I've been blessed with such wonderful teams around me. But there is one hat that I cannot give away. There is one hat that I will always have to wear as long as I am called pastor of this assembly. It is my job to disturb you. It is my job to wake you up. The Bible said it wasn't just it wasn't just the foolish virgins that were out of oil. It was the wise ones which were out of oil as well. And somebody, and we don't know who that somebody is, but somebody started yelling, The bridegroom's coming. The bridegroom's coming. And I'm telling you, the church can get just as sleepy as the world and the carnal can get right now. Somebody has got to say, Wake up! 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 It's my job to shake you. It's my job to disturb you. It's my job to not allow you to get comfortable right now. Through the years, I've been told, back off, quit getting so riled up about stuff. People say, is this a holiness church? When they ask me that question, I always want to say, is there any other kind? Really is, the Bible said, follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. See, I've seen holiness churches that fight and you can't see God in that. All you see is a lot of fighting flesh. But if you can have people who will contend for for, for peace and for holiness, people will see God. People will see God. My job is to preach heaven beautiful, to preach sin ugly, to preach hell hot to preach salvation, wonderful, and to preach living for God as the only life that makes sense right now. Luke chapter 17 tells the story of 10 lepers. It says, came to pass, he went to Jerusalem and passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. 10 men stood afar off. They're not allowed to get close to people. They're radioactive. They've got leprosy. They've been segregated from society for years out of respect for him and the law of Moses. They've quite a ways from him. Jesus, thou son of David, would you have mercy on me? And when he saw him, look what it says in verse 14. Go show yourself to your pastor. Go show yourself to the priest. I always like this verse. As they went, they were healed. I'll tell you the formula for a miracle. First of all, you have to have the spoken word. Then you have to have an obedient response to the spoken word. And then you can see the miraculous. I can give you example after example. Jesus, man came to him one day And he said, would you come home with me? He said, my child is dying. He said, go thy way, thy son liveth. This is what it says. And the man believed the word that Jesus has spoken to him. He doesn't get home until it's either 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Matthew will find it for me here. I think the reason the Bible is so exact is because that's exactly when the man got home. And they went and bet him. Your boy miraculously started to recover. When did it happen? Yesterday at this time. I'm convinced that's when Jesus spoke the word. And he showed Jesus his back. And he obediently responded to the word. And who knows how far away was his suffering son, but the boy was healed off-site because of the obedient response of his dad. Three weeks later, a soldier comes to Jesus and said, my servant is grievously sick. Jesus does the exact opposite of three weeks ago. He said, I'll come home with you. And the soldier said No, 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 that's not necessary Just speak the word only And my servant Shall be whole I'm a man under authority You are as well Just speak it, I'll obey it My servant will be healed This is what's going on here With these lepers Jesus said go show yourself to the priest They look the same They feel the same They smell the same there's only one thing that has changed. The word has been spoken. And as they obediently responded, as they went, they were healed. And all of a sudden, one of them, real runs back. A Samaritan, no less. A half-breed Jew. He runs back and worships the Lord. Why? Because the Bible said we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ the righteous. I think this guy understood who the real high priest was and came back and fell down at the feet of Jesus. Nevertheless, these men went to church and did exactly what the Lord told them to do. Go show yourself to the priest. Why did he do that? I, I, I can't find any Reference in the Old Testament to doctors being mentioned in the Bible. It appears to me the priest was the doctor. And one of the most horrible tasks of being a priest in the Old Testament was you had to diagnose leprosy. Lots of detail in the Bible about scabs. Boils, pus, dead white cells, leprosy. Take the human factor and put it into that. Do you have any idea how anguishing it was as a pastor to look at a man with a wife and two kids and say, I'm sorry, brother, it's not a rash. You got leprosy. No, 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 I don't, Pastor. No, I... Yes, you do. You got leprosy. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you can't go home anymore. You're gonna to have to live outside the city walls for the rest of your life. For the rest of your days, whenever anybody tries to get close to you, you're gonna to have to yell, I'm clean, and let them warn them not to get close to you because you, you got the virus, man. You got the plague. They can't be anywhere around you. I've had to do some pretty lousy things in my time of being a pastor. I remember one very particular time when I was in Ohio. And I had to sit with a pastor and his wife. And they had to turn the life support off of their newborn baby. I still remember sitting there with Dwayne and his wife. I was a young preacher. I remember asking my mom when my sister died there were people that told my mom well there must have been sin in your life or Vicky would have never died. It was so hurtful and painful to my mom. My mom still she's here in this service today. I remember asking my mom, Mom, if I'm going to be a preacher, I'm going to be expected to comfort people whose children are dying. What do I say? What do you wish someone would have said to you back then when Vicky was dying? And she said, Harold, there's nothing you can say. You're just going to have to be there and do your best to comfort them with your presence. I never forgot what she told me and I still remember sitting with that young pastor and his wife and they let me hold that baby while they turned that switch off. We passed that little baby around from dad to mom to me until finally that precious little thing was gone. There have been other things through the years that have been unpleasant. I just can't imagine going to someone and saying, You're going to have to leave your wife. You're going to have to leave your children. I know you've paid a mortgage on that house. I know you've worked hard. You might have even built it with your own hands. You can't go back home to that house. You're going to have to live in a tent on the outskirts of the city. I can't imagine that. Why did he say this? Listen to this verse I found in Leviticus 27 And verse 14. And when a man shall sanctify his house. To be holy unto the Lord. Then the priest shall estimate it. Whether it be good or bad. As the priest shall estimate it. So shall it stand. It was the job of that pastor. To put a value on what was going on. It was his job to say. Is it good or bad? Ladies and gentlemen, if there really is a heaven and if there really is a hell, if there really is a lake of fire and there really is streets of gold, the best friend on the planet you have is an anointed man of God who will not be intimidated by that white envelope you put in that dish every Sunday and look you right in the eye and say, Brother, I love you, but you can't do this and please the Lord. I can't tell you what it means to me as a pastor when someone will look at me and say, you can't offend me, Brother Hoffman. I want to be saved. Just preach to me, Pastor. Tell me the truth. Tell me me what I need to do. I remember Valerie and Jeff, our first converts, 33 years ago. Valerie and Jeff, first converts while I was pastor of this church. I remember them coming into my office in the old building. Valerie had her legal pad. This is way before iPads. This is stenographer's notebook. Just tell me what to do, Brother Hoffman. What are the rules? And I'm trying to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Young pastor, I don't want to run these potential new converts away. I said, Valerie, you don't get a shower before you get a bath, honey. Let's just take it in sequence here. I want you to just come and expose yourself to the word of the Lord. Get cleaned up here. Then we'll go further. And she said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. She said, I've been divorced. Jeff's been divorced twice. We don't want anything to do with that world ever again. Again. I'm looking around and I'm seeing the way these women dress. I watch how you worship and pray. What is this thing about tithing? What is this thing about money? What do we need to do with that? Just give me the rules. And I said, okay. And so I told her what I thought they needed to hear. She's anxiously writing down things and Jeff went, what? Are you, what, are you kidding me? And she's going, wham you know <laughs> boy but everything i asked they did and god did miracles in their lives and 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 i asked jeffrey i said i've never asked anybody ever to do this before but i'm going to ask you jeff every day for the rest of your life if you're in this city i want you to come by this building and pray now it might just be for 10 minutes but every day that you're, if you're not in town, I get it, but if you're in town, and I promise you for the last 33 years, if you're here any day of the week, and Jeff Woodworth's in town, that truck shows up and he comes in here to pray. That's the reason he's standing. That's the reason he's stable. That's the reason why. I've never asked anybody to do that since, but I asked it of him. And instead of him saying, no, I'm not going to do that, he just said, okay, pastor, if that's your estimation of me, if that's what you think I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. The Bible said, live your life in such a way that when your pastor gives an account to the Lord for you, he can do it with joy. I'm telling you, as pastor of First Church, I'm going to have a lot of great days ahead of me. When you walk in and I say, this is a real good one right here. These people have been faithful. They've been to prayer meeting. They've been givers. They've been forgivers. They've been worshipers. They've been people that have overcome one obstacle after another. You've given me ammo. You've given me ammunition that I can look at the enemy of your soul and say, hey! We got something powerful going on here. Something mighty. These were not people, Lord, that told me, leave me alone. Don't you bug me, preacher. You keep your nose out of my life. Don't you tell me what to do with my money. Don't you tell me what to do with my time. Don't you dare tell me what to do with my family or my marriage but rather welcome me and the word of the Lord into the most intimate personal parts of your life and say, I want to be saved. I want to be spared. I want to be right with God. For God's sakes, Pastor, don't leave me alone. Preach to me. Preach to me. Why did Jesus say, go show yourself to the priest? And this is one of the only reasons I can think of. He's trying to figure out What's your opinion of your pastor? Are you still mad that he told you you had leprosy? Are you still mad because he did his job? David had at least 19 sons that I can find in the Bible. He had five with a woman named Bathsheba. We do not know the name, if he even had a name, of that first boy that Bathsheba carried because of their sin and he died shortly after being born. In 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, and these are the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem, Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. The Bible said that the Lord would not permit David to build a house because he was a bloody man. I don't think this was because he was a warrior. I think it was because of Uriah's blood that was on his hands. It was Solomon that built the house of the Lord. The word Solomon means peaceful one. The only way you can build a temple for the Lord is in the middle of a church with peace. But I'd like you to notice who Solomon's older brother was. Nathan. Nathan. This is the name of the prophet That confronted David over his sin. This is the name of the preacher that called him out publicly. And humiliated him in front of a country he was supposed to be a righteous example of. And David came to a place of forgiveness in his life. that he chose to give boy number three the name of the pastor that confronted him. What's your opinion of your Pastor. To you that are watching me online, do you even have a pastor? See, to a lot of people, I'm just their preacher. But to other people, they call me pastor. Don't call me pastor if you're not willing to trust me with the bluest of the blue chips. I'm asking you for your eternal soul. I'm asking you for the most valuable thing you're ever going to have in this life or in the life to come. You're going to have to have a pastor. I'm far from perfect, but I'm doing the best I possibly know how. And if you don't have confidence in me, I'm sorry. Go somewhere where you do have confidence in the pastor. Don't go to a church where you don't trust the leadership. You'll lose your kids. You'll lose your soul. I'm asking you for something here. I'm doing the best I know how with my marriage and my family and my own personal life to be as open. We had a man several years ago that went to church here. He was quite wealthy. He owned over 600 rental properties. And he got a wonderful baptism. And after being here for about three months, he, he said, Pastor, have you noticed anything unusual lately? And I, I said, well, no, not really that I can think of. And he said, okay. I thought it was strange, but I just forgot about it. A couple of weeks later, he came to me and he said, My sister is one of the wealthiest women in the Midwest. She's very, very, very angry that I'm going to church here. She's a billionaire, Pastor Hoffman. She owns three banks. She has a fleet of airplanes. She hired the best detective agency in Chicago and they've been following you for the last three months. I saw the file on her desk. Pastor Hoffman, they have your W-2 statements. They have stacks of messages that you preached. They interviewed neighbors that you used to live by in Georgia. They hacked your email accounts. And they told her after three months, he's clean. She said, everybody's got secrets. And they said, not this guy. We've been following this guy. We've tapped his phone. We've hacked his accounts. We know everything about him. We've crawled in every crevice and orifice of the man's life. He's clean. I asked Sean Cabot, lawyer that used to attend this church now, is doing a wonderful job pastoring in Port Huron. Sean, I love you, and you and Lauren, very, very proud of you. Very, very, very very proud of you. Very, Very proud of you. I asked him, I said, Sean. How in the world can you get somebody on the stand and ask them what they said 20 years ago? I don't remember what I preached two weeks ago. How could you possibly ask someone? He said, oh, you're going to love this one, Brother Hoffman. He said, we learned a long time ago that if you're in the regular habit of telling the truth, you know exactly what you said 20 years ago because you would act the same way today. He said, it's how we trip them up on the stand when people are lying, they have no idea what they did 20 years ago. But if you keep telling the truth again and again and again, and I remember telling that story and I remember, you know, put it's like, it's just, it's a better way to live, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have any skeletons in my closet. I don't, I don't, I, I don't got it. <laughs> it's just, that's there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walked not after the flesh but after the spirit and so I offer myself to you today because the Bible says Herod saw Jesus Luke 23 he was exceeding glad for he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him and watch, he questioned him in many words but he answered him nothing. You can do this Matthew, find me a verse where it says Herod heard him gladly, heard him gladly. This is what it says in Mark, Matthew 14 in verse one. At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus And he said unto his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. Herod, in a fit of lust, watching a girl by the name of Salome dance, told her mother, I'll give you half the kingdom. He's a tetrarch. He doesn't doesn't have a kingdom to give away. But he's so overcome with this lewdness and lust. What, What can I give you as payment for this dance? And she said, I want that preacher's head in a basket. They cut John the Baptist's head off. And he brought it to that woman. Are you happy now? queen died a week or so ago. In Britain, every morning, there's a red leather box that's gold embossed. Every morning, the queen of England is given this box. In this case, now, it will be the king. Every morning, these are the official papers. Many of them duties, others Very, very secretive. You'll notice when a man becomes the president elect, it said he is given national security details, which means when a president is outgoing and another man has been elected to be the president of the United States before he goes to the Oval Office, they're already getting him up to speed every morning. What's going on in North Korea, Mr. President? Here's what's going on with President Putin. Here's what's going on in Ukraine. Every day, every day. It's the same way back then. Sire, we just heard an amazing story. They were having a wedding in Cana. And they ran out of wine. They said a man turned water into wine and saved the best stuff for the last. And he went, wow, what a trick. We got to get that guy for the end of the year banquet. That's amazing. Find out some more. And all of a sudden, two days later, sire, you remember that guy that we heard about whose kid kept throwing himself in the fire? They say this guy healed that boy day after day sire did you hear about Jairus' daughter Jairus was wealthy I promise you Herod knew who Jairus was his daughter's alive again sire that same guy interrupted a funeral procession in Maine and pulled a dead kid out of a casket they say his name is Jesus and Herod said no nah. It's John the Baptist. He's resurrected from the dead. That's why it says he wanted to see Jesus for a long time. And when they finally brought Jesus in front of Herod, it says that he asked him many questions. And Jesus didn't say a word. Just to look at him with the saying and say, I don't talk to preacher killers. I'm not dignifying your question with a response. You killed my cousin. You killed the Baptist. I'm not going to say one thing to you. You read the book of Revelation. John said, I saw one sitting on the throne. But in Acts chapter 8 when Stephen was being stoned, this is what he said, I see Jesus standing. Why? Because they're fixing to kill one of his young preachers. And the Lord gets up off of his throne and if you read between the lines, Stephen is saying, it's okay, master, sit down. I got this. I got this. Don't tell me people can't kill preachers. I saw people kill my pastor. I had a wonderful pastor I saw people tear his heart out ladies and gentlemen I've been in full time ministry since I was 20 years old I have traveled millions of miles I have been in thousands of church services I'm qualified to make this statement we have something very special in this church with everything you have guard your heart guard your spirit hear the word of the Lord the Bible said receive the engrafted word that means there's going to be a cut every now and then but if that word cuts you take that word into your spirit because I I write letters to my general superintendent his name is David Bernard I do not know why anyone would want to be the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. There are, at a general conference, there are usually over 3,000 pastors. If Jesus chose 12 and one of them was a devil, and you tell me how many devils you have when you get 3,000 preachers in the same room, if 8% of them are reprobates, Why in the world would anyone want to be general superintendent? I've seen him do and go through different. Why? I don't care if you're a Trump guy. I don't care if you're a Joe Biden guy. I don't know why anyone would want to be the president of the United States. With all of the division and all the special interest groups screaming and yelling and clamoring for attention. It doesn't matter what you do. Christians for years have been praying. That this abortion thing would be overturned. And now that it's overturned. All of a sudden there's a whole group of people saying. These are the most dangerous people in the world. It doesn't matter what you do. Whether you have abortion or whether you don't have abortion. There's always going to be a clamoring voice for it or against it. You're just going to have to know. What do you believe? What are you willing to give your life for? What are you willing to spend the rest of your days on this planet promoting? I'm telling you, we got to be involved in the kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't all live off-grid right now. I know there's a movement, and if you live off-grid, that's your big deal. But I'm just telling you, I can't have chickens where I live. I just, it don't matter how many how many solar panels you get. I, I, I don't care how big of a garden you grow. I'm just telling you, we just can't all have solar heat and, and, and a well and have chickens and have a garden. It's just not in us for it. And in the spirit, that same attitude can come to where you just get off grid. And you just want to stay away and just, just be a monastic and just be a, 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 in a convent and just, just close yourself from this world. But that's not what the Bible says. It says that early church had favor. They had favor with all the people. Our answer is not to distance ourselves from one another. Our answer has to be involved with people. Stand. Stand. <coughs> Come with me around this altar. <coughs> I apologize. I, my lungs are just a little, not as strong as they need to be right now. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I was a hillbilly kid. Every, we didn't have one, but just about every every house around me had a 55-gallon barrel in the backyard. You didn't have trash guys back then. You just took it back to the barrel and burned it up. trees back there with chains everybody had four or five dogs nobody had grass in the backyard you just had dogs dragging them chains look at the front yard and the porch and everything's fine but don't go in the backyard if we're not careful we can live for Jesus like that Lord I'll let you have Sunday every now and then I'll show up at prayer meeting and yeah I'll pay the 10% tax you keep your nose out of my family. You keep your nose out of my hobbies, my habits, my time. Problem is we're Americans. We are living in what is known as a republic. But that Bible is not a republic. That Bible is a kingdom. He's on the throne. We are his servants. We are his servants. In Jesus' name. If it's appropriate, would you put your hand on the shoulder of someone right now? And we're going to pray for one another. Lord Jesus, this is my brother and my sister. Just as I'm standing by them right now, I believe you're standing by them right now. And just as sure as my hand is on them, I believe your hand is on them as well. I'm a very common person. I don't have any power of my own. But you did say you would give me power when you filled me with your spirit. And you said freely I have received and so freely I should give away. I'm not here to be stingy. I'm not here, Lord, to just wrap my arms around mine and my little bits and my stuff. But I am here, Lord, with open arms and open hands. I want to be Michigan so grateful Michigan is not a closed fist but you gave this state the impression of an open palm I want to be open handed in Michigan Lord I want you to use this church as an example I want you to give us a footprint and a handprint around the world we're going to do our very best Lord to be the church of an open hand we're not going to be the clenched fist we're not going to be these people God that are stingy with our money, stingy with our time, stingy with our love, stingy with our forgiveness. Freely we've received. How many times have you forgiven me? Oh, God. How many thousands of times have you forgiven me? How many times have you healed me? <laughs> I never kept a journal, Lord. But ever since I've been a little boy, you've touched me again and again and again and again and again. How many times have you loved me, Lord? How many times have I felt the witness of your presence in my life? Oh, God. How many amazing brothers and sisters and great friendships and relationships have you placed in my life? Oh, God. I have an amazing wife. I have two wonderful daughters. I have two amazing granddaughters. I thank you for my son in the law. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters in the body of Christ. Oh God, you said no man hath left house, brother, sister, father, who shall not in this life receive a hundredfold and in the world to come, everlasting life. Oh God, I have lived to see that come true. My sister died when I was a little boy but I have hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of sisters. I've got hundreds and thousands of brothers around this world, Lord. I've had an amazing father, an amazing mother that got me on this earth, but she couldn't get me off of this earth. I thank you for the church. I thank you for Zion. I thank you for the mother of us all. I thank you, Lord. No one has been more blessed than me. Blessed by love. Blessed by healing, blessed by forgiveness, blessed by brotherhood and sisters in relationship. Oh, Jesus, how in the world can I be stingy now? How in the world can I afford, amen, to just try and wrap my hands around my stuff and build a fence around what I think is mine? None of it's mine. It's your blessing, God, that's in my life. It's your blessing that's on this church. In the name of Jesus, oh Father, continue. Help us build a foundation of the word beneath every one of these people. Help us to put a hedge of protection around them and to put a canopy of submission over everyone. And if we'll have a canopy of submission and a foundation of the word, I have no doubt we'll have a hedge of protection. Jesus name don't ever leave me alone disturb me wake me up with dreams wake me up with nightmares have somebody say something to me in the Holy Ghost have somebody prophesy over me let me hear it from the word let me hear it from my pastor but for goodness sakes Lord take not thy Holy Spirit from me to grieve the Holy Ghost Lord I want you to feel safe around me I don't want the dove to fly away I want it to feel very secure landing on my life and landing on this church praise waits for you in Zion and praise waits for you in this assembly so Lord we open ourselves up yes it's a risk yes there's a risk involved yes yes, there will be hurt involved. Yes there will be cutting and grafting involved. But I'm so grateful Lord, we do not serve a God that practices social distancing. I'm so grateful you want to get close to us. Yeah. Why in the world did you come to this planet anyway? <laughs> to die? Everything about you has been drawing near to people regardless of what it cost you. And if you were willing to pay that price to get close to people, then I got to be willing to pay a price to get close to people as well. In Jesus' name. Sing a song for me, minstrel.
1: You're